you're listening to the Tech Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next hour we're going to be talking about all things tech as usual. I'm joined by my fellow presenters Paul Armstrong who's author of Disruptive Technologies. Hello Paul. Hello, how are you doing? Hmm. Do you know anything about Bitcoin and all that stuff? A little bit. Mm, I'm going to test your knowledge later. <laughs> it's a chapter in your book so I'd be very interested to hear what you've got to say to that. And obviously um, to the lovely Sarah Luxford of Tech London Advocates. Hi Sarah. Hello. Do you know about Bitcoin? Not that much, to be honest. Only what I read in the newspapers. So mm. really excited about today. I'm quite interested in cryptocurrencies uh, as well. Um, it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, hasn't it? Um, and we've got two guests. Um, so we're talking to Anthony Parker. He's from Cube Route 64. Um, and he's going to tell us, I hope, I hope, Anthony, you're going you're gonna to give me a lesson on a Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I'm certainly going to try. Yes. Excellent. That's good. And we're also joined by Sebastian Conran of Consequential. Consequ- oh, I can't say it. <laughs> help me, help me. Consequential Robotics. Yes, Consequential, consequential Robotics. Exactly. And um, I'm a little bit familiar with this because um, it was entered into our Tech Talk 22 and we absolutely loved it. So I'll be talking to Sebastian about that. Very exciting. Thank you very much. Um, so to start with you, Anthony. Now, um, I've, I remember going to some huge talk about Bitcoin um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago couldn't understand a word they said mm. any chance you could just explain what bitcoin is so you know if i if i how do i buy them uh, and what do i use them for and what are they yes yeah, certainly so um the easiest way really to uh to explain bitcoin is to say it's digital money it's digital money for the internet um you can spend it you can transfer it um, it's kind of like a digital gold so, so what do you mean by digital? I'm going, I'm really paring it down here. So, so what you're saying is if I if I go to I go on the internet and I buy something, I put in my card number, my bank card number, and, and, and it sort of is just a digital transaction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I just effectively authorise somebody to go into my bank and take that money out. Exactly. So what is digital in, in respect of what you're talking about? Well, the one thing to understand about this space is that everybody is their own bank. And so, therefore, you don't need to instruct a bank if you were to pay in digital currency on the internet. You control your funds and you would be able to transact. But um, the way I explain it to uh, a lot of people is there's four Ds associated with Bitcoin. It's digital. It's the first scarce digital resource that we have. Uh, It's decentralized, so there is no central governing process or or bank uh, that governs it. Uh, It's deflationary, third D, deflationary. There's only 21 million that will ever exist. And it's also divisible. So you don't have to pay just one Bitcoin. You can actually pay a small percentage of a Bitcoin, and they're called Satoshis. So 100 million Satoshis equals one Bitcoin. So you said I can be my own bank. Well, how do I get my own currency then? Yes, the way that you would do it is uh, to go on to various different exchanges online. Now, a good example of some of these is uh, Coinbase. They're US-based. 
Um, but there are plenty of others springing up. Gemini uh, Exchange is also a very good one, which is based in the US. Now, you would definitely go through an identity process with that, uh, which could take a, a number of weeks. Uh, but once you have... Uh, a, uh, once you are on the exchange, you can then exchange your normal currency uh, for digital currency, whether it's so uh, that's Bitcoin like, or any other. So that's like my, buying dollars or, 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 you know, euros or something. Yeah, exactly. So you go on there and uh, there'll be lots of different currencies that are digital, just like there's, you know, yen and um, dollars and, you know, all those sorts of things. So, so you've got a choice. And, and you can you can buy those in exactly the same way. Yes, yes. So I, I think Coinbase has about five different types uh, on there at the moment. They're looking to uh, uh, to increase that number. Um, but we call these exchanges where you exchange normal fiat currency, um, government or distributed and geographically bound currency into cryptocurrency. Um, we tend to. Uh, 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 we tend to look at that, uh, uh, and you can exchange it for Bitcoin. There's also Ethereum. Uh, there's a number but of all other crypto. All of these are just just uh, another way of, of of you know. I'm sorry, I'm going to get this right down to the basics. Yes, so it's just it's just like I'm not going to buy dollars. I'm going to buy this currency instead. It just happens to be not bounded by a country, but but somebody else who's invented this currency that you buy into that goes up and down in, in valuation just Correct. like any other currency. Yes, and um, uh, the, the value of the currency is very much uh, uh, from demand purposes, so supply and demand. Sure. As we said, there's only like 21... Yeah. yeah, like gold, yeah. Yes. Okay, so I get those, and then I, they're in my... Are they in my bank account? No, they can't be in my bank account. Where they're, do they go? They're in a digital wallet. So you would be given a digital wallet which has a specific address, which is a very, very long range of characters. Address for what? Is that an IP address? Or, it's, a or, bit, it's a bit like a, an, email address? Uh, an account number and sort code. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. So that identifies you. That identifies that wallet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a digital wallet. And whenever you need to transact online, you would actually mm. put that wallet address into whichever website you want to yeah. purchase with your crypto assets. Yeah. So so I, so I have I have this and then I can go and buy everything practically that I can with my normal bank account. Yes. Currency. Yes. There are there's plenty if, if, they, if they take them. Sorry. They, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So there are more and more um, businesses that are accepting Bitcoin and other currencies, uh, and you'll see more and more of that take up uh, as people start to get into this space. Hmm. Do you get that now, Sarah? Have you got? Have you spotted that now? So I get yes. that bit so far. Yes, I'm. I'm following so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, we're going so to come on. So good. We're going to come on to Paul in a minute. Um, so I've got. I've, I've got this amount of money, um, and then I can presumably swap it for other types of currencies. Uh, just to just you know whatever. Um, and and does it accumulate in value? It goes up and down. Yeah, because it's uh, deflationary, um, mm. uh, and there's only 21 million bitcoins around. Uh, of course, supply and demand dictates that if there's more demand, the price will go up. Um, uh, that can't be the same for all of the cryptocurrencies out there. Some, um, uh, you can continue to mine those currencies yeah. and they don't have a, a top limit of supply, but a lot of them do. 
because they want to hold the value. I mean, presumably, it's like the Bank of England. The more money you shove in the system, the less value it has. Um, so, so that they obviously want to, to keep it within a certain bound so that the value holds. In a way, but I don't think the industry looks at it as the value of a particular okay. currency. It's, it's more what the currency does for the network and, and how the currency is used within a blockchain network. Well, come on to blockchain in a minute. Yes. This, this is making my head explode as it is. <laughs> so, so I've got this uh, currency. Uh, Bitcoin is just one cryptocurrency. There's loads, isn't there? So, so, so to say it's Bitcoin now is a bit misleading because because there's loads of different ones. And there are yes. Mm. So there is a there is a very very good website called Coin Market Cap, uh, and this shows all the different types of cryptocurrency that are around. Uh, at the time of looking, there's about 1,500 wow. different types, but they're all used for, for different reasons but, uh, and to secure the blockchain or the, the, tip, uh, the typical ledger that they're transacted on. Mm. So, so I've got all these different, um, uh, you know, currency choices, so to speak. I, c I can, you know, spend them here, there and, and, and wherever. H how do I know that it's secure? I'm just giving a nice segue there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, um, the security uh, of uh, a cryptocurrency really is down to uh, the blockchain and how they actually secure it uh, cryptographically. So they use cryptographic algorithms um, with a private and public key to secure uh, those. I have to go back a bit now, Anthony. Sorry about that. So we've we, we've got um, w just explain what, what what this sort of crypto key is and, and how how that that security bit before we move on to the next thing. So the security. Uh, the, the I presume that's how you identify yourself. It's it's like having a bank card, isn't it? You, you, yes. you need this identity. So you can kind of think of a private key as your password to your funds. Yep. You keep that safe. Do not give anybody your private key. There are a lot of scams in this area at the moment of mm. taking your private key. But your public key is like, as I said, a bank account and a sort code. So that's people see that because they need to make the transaction exactly. with you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So I've got that bit. Right. So so that gives us that security, which we're all quite familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, when you're then doing a transaction with somebody, how's that protected? So it's protected on a, a shared ledger. Now, what I mean by this is a blockchain is basically a shared ledger of transactions and it's shared amongst thousands of computers out there. So the Bitcoin blockchain, for example, is uh, on a number of different computer systems out there. So all of those computers understand where all of the coins are in all of the wallet addresses. So when you get two wallet addresses talking to each other, they know exactly how much is moving from one wallet to another, and they can actually perform rules uh, and checks on, on, on that exchange. So instead of having, uh, let's say, Barclays Bank, uh, having a view of all its transactions, uh, we don't have one central person doing that with with this particular you know thing, because it's your own, you're owning your own currency and you're owning your own transactions. It's not through a bank. You've got a shared computer system of thousands of people who are actually seeing that transaction, mm -hmm. and that's what gives it its security because it's security in numbers. There's so many people looking at that transaction um, that that it's that it's pretty difficult to hide it. If well, that makes sense. the transactions or, or are, scam it. Uh, the transactions are also encrypted. 
Yeah. So they're encrypted, as I said, cryptographically. So you can't actually see who's who. Bitcoin yeah. itself is pseudo-anonymous. Yeah. So the exchanges know which wallet address is associated with which person. But when you look on the blockchain, which is public, mm. you will not be able to actually see which person does one transaction from one wallet to another. And, and the, the term blockchain then is, is to explain... Uh, this this system of, of, of thousands and thousands of people being able to, to, to see that, that those transactions. Yes, it's a it's a it's a globally shared database. So it's a kind of a ledger of all the transactions on the Bitcoin Bitcoin network. So we called it a shared ledger or a distributed ledger mm. uh, technology. Um, and blockchain is an example of a distributed ledger technology. So it's public, anyone can see those transactions. But you can't identify a person, you just see the nature of the Correct. transaction. yes. Yep. And it's also decentralised. So instead of storing it, as, I, as we said, in one location, which might have security vulnerabilities, um, it's stored uh, amongst all the thousands of <laughs> computers. It's a bit like uh, mm. having thousands of volts. Uh, and for a hacker to actually get in to uh, to change any transaction, they would have to access thousands of volts in order to in order to actually uh, 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 make any changes. So therefore, it's it's incredibly secure. Okay, so it's pretty secure. And why is it called blockchain? Is it because these transactions are all in a line, so to speak, or they're all happening at a, you know to, in a sequence? So I'm doing my transaction one thousandth of a second you know later somebody's doing theirs and then somebody so actually what you do is you get a whole chain of these these uh, transactions exactly. taking place and that's what why it's called a chain yes there are there are lots of computers around the world that uh, uh, we call uh, are mining uh, bitcoin and what they do is uh, that they try and solve a very very difficult mathematical algorithm and once they solve that, they are allowed to add another block to the blockchain. Now, they link their block, which is just a, a lot of different transactions, mm -hmm. into the previous block by crypt a cryptographic hash. So we're getting into a little bit more terminology here, but a cryptographic hash means that there's a link between one block and the next block. And that if anything changes in any of the blocks, previous it will then render the whole blockchain uh, invalid so it's a bit like lego really so you've got a whole you've got a whole set of um, uh, transactions going on over here and then uh, another another set of transactions gets um, locked into that a bit, a bit like a piece of lego going on to another piece of lego it fits mm. and, and and then it's really difficult to break unless you know this, this, there's something corrupt with it Yes, yes, it's incredibly difficult to to break uh, the uh, the encryption, and all the blocks are are, are definitely linked together. Um, so it also kind of helps with um, uh, the double spend problem. So in in this industry, we if you have digital money, you've got a double spend problem. Can you give your ten pounds worth of cryptocurrency to one, well, to two people at the same time? And with this shared ledger and uh, and and blockchain security, that's that's very very difficult so essentially what you're saying is then we've got cryptocurrency which is one thing which is where we do transactions and buy stuff mm -hmm. uh, as we've explained uh, that's completely separate in, in essence from the blockchain thing which is, is is a way of recording those transactions and making sure they're entirely secure so those two things are separate but actually they go together to make it work yes yes so the 
the blockchain is more the technology that allows Bitcoin to run. Um, yeah. it, Bitcoin has been running it's on... It's almost the platform or the system platform, that allows yes, it to work. It's kind of the framework. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been running since 2009 uh, when uh, Satoshi Nakamoto uh, wrote his, his paper, uh, Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, where he kind of highlighted what a distributed network of computers could be used for. Mm. Uh, and it's been running uh, like that uh, very, very securely. Uh, over those years, um, people do kind of uh, wonder whether it, it has been hacked, and it's not the actual blockchain that's been hacked. Normally, it's the exchanges which hold the yeah. bitcoins that that, that are hacked. Mm, like a, a, a bank robber going in yes. and robbing your bank. Huh? Yes, Paul, that's just slightly made my head explode. Um, but in a good that, way, right? Yeah, yeah. It's but is that, is that a good explanation? Does that that all make sense? I mean, is, we're trying yeah. to simplify it as much as possible. Yeah, it's a simplified. Yeah, I mean, the, the ultimate idea, I when I started doing research for the book that was super new, um, was that blockchain is the foundational technology behind Bitcoin. That's that's how to understand it. They are not interchangeable. That is, that is literally how it does. Um, blockchain can do so much more than Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Um, that's, that's where I sort of tend to focus my attention on. Um, I've, I find Bitcoin really interesting in and of itself, but the volatility around those markets and things that are happening to them mean that it is not a safe or interesting bet and we cannot give financial information and all of that. No, but I think I think um, if, if you're a bit of a pirate and a pioneer and you're happy to, to see how these things work and you... A fine if you lost that money. It's it's a really interesting thing to get engaged with, isn't it? If you if you're trying to understand the technology, but but it, it has its downsides. So yeah. like like any currency, I guess. Absolutely, like any currency. Bomb. It's kind of got a bit more. Uh, what's the word? Danger involved in it because it is so new yeah. and so untested and that sort of stuff. Absolutely, I fully agree that it's very secure and that sort of thing and no one's hacked it yet um, there's been a couple of instances of impropriety but it's sort of quite interesting but the more around the issues um, when it comes to Bitcoin mm. about like who's actually driving this right who are the whale they've been dubbed the whales who are the big boys and girls behind it and that's sort of thing don't know, and so. it's, well a lot of them have come forward and said mm. like oh well this is how much I've got this is how much they've got and that sort of thing and do you know what's the tragedy of it was it's all old white dudes you know as always <laughs> so you so where you've got this like potential for a brand new day and you know if you wanted to take your money and sort of do some really interesting things with it the old white dudes have, the old white dudes have already got there and that's unfortunately sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. And, but blockchain is incredibly interesting isn't it and, yeah. and there's a real opportunity for some of our monolithic structures uh, to, to be entirely disrupted by using that type of technology that, that that type of system rather absolutely anything to do with trust provenance uh you know those big lofty terms that people sort of get uh, get in trouble with with um, not moving too fast in businesses can usually be sold at the moment with um, blockchain or a blockchain strategy and um, that's something that i found really fascinating when you start mm. looking into exactly what can be changed so, so, so give, give us some examples of what that might be sure that we should attack so i give i give two two examples usually so one is the healthcare system right mm. so you have to be very trusting of those sorts of people when you're in that sort of system and really start figuring out um what uh, what the areas are that you're looking to sort of go into but anything to do with that sort of like value chain when it's pharmaceuticals you've got to know exactly what was put in when and all of that sort of stuff that makes complete sense but to sort of bring it down to an interesting sort of like simple way of doing it is when you're thinking about food for example and you're of the halal persuasion then you've got to know that that um, farm is halal that that truck is from a um, provider that's halal and if all of those signs point to green then yeah you can buy that and that can now be done with barcode verification and different elements but it's 
it's all about that tracking system that makes it sort of quite so mm. um, interesting and sort of very much disruptive in that sense because people weren't tracking those things before or mm. couldn't with 100% certainty say that's exactly what it is. It, it kind of goes even, even further than that because you could have certain other assets encoded uh, onto the blockchain. There is a great example of a, a company in America um, that have encoded identity and credentials onto the blockchain. So that, that makes perfect sense, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it makes because you're going to be verified in all sorts of places. It's, it's almost impossible to impersonate somebody. Very much so. And it, doctors who locum for a different hospital tend to have to go through five, six days' worth of checks uh, for their identity and credentials to mm. come through before they can actually work on patients. So the blockchain there is actually saving lives. It's ensuring that the doctor gets in front of the patients far quicker. Mm. And if I ever once more get asked for my utility bill when I'm opening something, which drives me nuts because who has a blimmin' utility bill that's been printed? Nobody. Um, it's, 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 it's getting rid of all that archaic mm. stuff, isn't it? To, 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 to prove your identity. But the way we also like to, to look at this at Cubroot 64 is is that you're taking out intermediaries in in the business landscape um, you know with with Bitcoin you can take it abroad and you could spend Bitcoin you don't need uh, exchange rates you don't need banks you are your own bank so any intermediary that facilitates exchange exchanges blockchain is coming so you, yeah. you better beware mm. and what about voting I think that's the most hilarious thing that we do is you expect for you know 24 hours almost for people to wander along with a pen mm. to a polling booth you don't know who the hell they are really and then they put a cross against you know some person they want to vote for surely it's that type of that type of thing where where you know it could just be revolutionized that ridiculous very thing. much so and, and you have people you sitting up all night counting pieces of paper and you would be able to get real-time results yeah um, mm. so you wouldn't have john snow uh uh, leaping across, leaping the, across, yeah. yeah, showing his uh, yeah. monitor and yeah. uh, as to yeah all the different votes. Um, and Paul, what what is stopping us going into these, you know, into these technologies, which clearly have got massive, you know, implications and, and can revolutionise things? Uh, so blockchain. What, what do you feel is stopping us? Is it because, you know, some of these establishment things have got so much control and they don't understand it and they're frightened, or, or, yeah. or is it just too difficult to think about? So I think a few things, um, and it. it, it helps to sort of split those out from like why people don't like Bitcoin and um, cryptocurrencies and why they are a little bit reticent on the blockchain. Um, to some degree, it is a level of a number of years that it's been in existence and people don't trust things that are new sometimes. Um, it is uh, usually an all or nothing scenario. You have to be on it or not yeah. on it. There's no 50%. Um, and so again, it's sort of data proprietary and that sort of stuff. Um, the other one is control, you know, and that sort of stuff. If you have a centralized position, that is a very powerful position to be in. Um, and as soon as you decentralise something like so it's that, about power, it's about power, control, maintenance, and uh, you know, uh, keeping business as usual and that mm. sort of stuff. Because don't forget, blockchain, uh, Bitcoin, and blockchain um, are both very uh, disruptive technologies. You know, if you if you want a new way of doing something, that doesn't mean that you should immediately apply it. It means you should carefully apply it to make a better system come or through. Or even have a control mechanism where you can see how it works for a while. Exactly, and yeah. that is where we're sort of standing at the moment. But the trouble is with things like Bitcoin is it's an unknown entity, so you can say. Um, yep, fantastic, great, loads of potential, which you fundamentally, absolutely, I'll be there with the banner as well. But you can't say that, okay, that, that's a phenomenally useful um, cryptocurrency in China. 
Because it's not, because they don't allow it. It's not legal tender. They're starting to change those sorts of things. And I think, oh, or it went the other way. I can't remember which one it was, where they outlawed it, then lawed it, and that sort of thing. But that's the issue, is it's so risky with things that are going on in the outside world until we sort of move past this peak of, um, what do you call it, disillusionment with stuff and go back into sort of like, okay, what are we trying so to achieve? Calm down a bit. How do we do it? Is finance yeah. the first thing that we should be talking about with the blockchain? No, it is not. There's lots more value in talking about Bitcoin, um, blockchain than it is about Bitcoin. Bitcoin's yeah. ruining the blockchain at the moment for a lot of people. It's taking over the debate. Yeah. I, I think we've got to be very careful in this area because it is unregulated at the moment and local jurisdictions or, or country jurisdictions don't know how to regulate it. Is it security? Is it a property? Is it currency? So they're having big questions as to how to regulate it. When your listeners are looking at the cryptocurrency market, be incredibly careful. Do not put you know, money in that you can afford to, to lose. That you, I think that's what I was saying earlier, really. Yeah. And do your research. Mm. Uh, there are a number of different companies out there. They're all doing slightly different things. Some of them will last, but many of them won't. Mm. We haven't also but, really talked about the nefarious uses. Of I think Bitcoin. we can do that in a minute. Yeah. Okay, but 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 that's what we're seeing with Facebook now, though, isn't it? You know, we've got we've got social media, and and you know it's not regulated, and that was fine. But now actually, people are beginning to think, ah, oh, there's there's a whole bunch of things going on here, and 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 maybe we should regulate it. Maybe we should try and mm. put some bounds on it. And yeah. you know, it's grown, but all of a sudden, people are going, oh, actually, I don't like it not being. Yeah. I, I don't like it being free and not regulated mm. because yeah. because it's it's given us all sorts of problems I, that we weren't expecting. I think the general industry is looking for a bit more regulation around this space mm. to really authenticate what give it the, a framework, the, yeah, yeah. what the blockchain can achieve yeah. because we've only just glossed over the surface of mm. the possibilities there there are many many more underneath mm. sebastian would you, would you use a cryptocurrency well i can see that um you know we trade globally and um, we have to pay a transaction fee every time we trade. Mm. So it would save us 5% on every transaction or something like that. Mm. Um, I think it's also, um, it appears to be sanctions proof. And, you know, if you had a, a Siberian dollar um, cryptocurrency, you know, your bank account couldn't be frozen. <laughs> Well, it well, might be cold, but it won't be frozen. But that is an exact example is, of why yeah. Bitcoin is a trouble for a lot of these places. Because don't forget, people trade and pr trade publicly, privately and that sort of stuff. And there are mechanisms in place to track those transactions of people who might be buying terrible things like guns and that sort of stuff. And you have to really be careful and think about like, well, you don't want a sweeping system that comes in and removes all that because those bad people don't get caught about it. And that's the issue that a lot of people mm. are having with it. Can I, I think an important point to make here, a lot of people do say, well, it's it's used for buying guns uh, or other kind of contraband. And, I mean, that happens, no. one, with cash. Of course it does. And, two, the criminals always come to new technologies first before wider adoption. But uh, there's definitely a federal prosecutor in the U.S. that actually used the Bitcoin blockchain to actually track down uh, some criminals successfully. Uh, because it is pseudonymous uh, and because some of the authorities do have uh, systems to uh, analyse... And you can't the, hide your tracks. Exactly. That's the thing. And because it, it's immutable, mm. uh, it, it will always be there and it, 
and it's all out there in the public. So yeah, um, criminals may be using it. I think but the criminals bank, use everything. I think so. the Bank of Canada have recently said that they don't think criminals are using Bitcoin m- over other normal kind of fiat currencies. So, mm. um, Sarah, have you learned a lot now? I did, do you? I, I have, still, my mind's struggling a little bit. I'm not, not sure I would indulge in cryptocurrency because I, I can't see what I would use it for. But I do think blockchain, which we're going to talk about after the break, is a, is a different matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, give me a pound sterling any day. <laughs> <laughs> you traditional old fart. <laughs> um, well, um, because my head's exploding a little bit, we're just going to have a little break. Uh, and then we're going to do a little bit more about that. And then we're going to talk to um, Sebastian because we love his robot. Uh, see you in a minute. Listen up then, uh, we never realised that we could get a hefty government payout for innovation. Thought it was just for those high-tech boys down south. Not a down-to-earth bunch like us. We did it, thanks to you lot and the really helpful guys at Breakthrough Funding. Yeah! Sorry, just slipped out. Easy money then, boss! Not at all. It's a cash reward for showing how innovative ideas can reap benefits all round. Your company could qualify for innovation cash too. Find out online now by answering just six qualifying questions at BreakthroughFunding.com. Yeah! So you're back with the Tech Talk Show. I've got Sebastian Conran from Consequential Robotics, said it correctly this time, and Anthony Parker of Cube Route 64. Um, Anthony, just going back to um, blockchains a bit, can you can you just explain um, a, a little bit about you know what you think uh, some of the exciting uses of, of, of blockchain might be? And, and just to let you know, there are 18.5 million blockchain.info wallets around so so there's yes. a lot of people who are you know really excited about the technology yes, of course you can have multiple wallets uh, ah. for, for for one currency yeah why would you have multiple wallets uh, for use uh, in different use cases um so like what well if you get mud you're being horrible yeah uh, you're being horrible here Paul. no no let's oh. get into some usually a nefarious pro- is where i was going but okay yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You could certainly use one for uh, identity uh, and one for other assets that you have uh, around. So there's a there's a currency called Ethereum, uh, and Ethereum uh, is a type of blockchain which allows you to build applications over the top of the blockchain uh, in the form of smart contracts. So smart contracts are a set of rules uh, that you would agree with somebody, and then once those rules are decided upon, it would then kick off a transaction on the blockchain. Which is exactly like writing a legal contract. Yeah. So, so, you know, if I was going to do a contract with somebody at work, I'd get my lawyer, that lawyer would then construct that, and we, their lawyer would check it, and then we'd sign it together. What you're saying is this is another way of doing that. It certainly is, yes. So y- you could create a business uh, around encoding those kind of assets onto a certain blockchain. That's got to be bad because I know that when I go to my lawyer for a contract, sorry about this, my lawyer, I won't tell you who it is, uh, they've written that contract 58 times before and they're just amending it and doing, you know, tweaking it around the edges. Um, but actually they, they, you know, they charge you as if they're starting all over again, mm. really. Um, was, and, and I know it has to be bespoke to some degree, but actually the basis of it is fairly, is fairly familiar. What you're saying is that this public, in a way, contract... You know, Normally the contracts are held privately. No, but what I meant is, is, is that the system underneath this platform for it being public yes. is, 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 is really quite exciting and it is going to revolutionise. 
particularly legal transactions, house transactions, Definitely. all those sorts of, of, of things that we have to go do in it, our life at some point. Yes, it's not just that. It could be uh, energy consumption. Uh, it, uh, so Grid Plus in South Africa is commoditizing energy production. Uh, it could be micropayments. Um, uh, so when you're in an autonomous car um, and you need uh, a certain micropayment per mile, um, it could facilitate that. Mm. In fact, the whole idea of smart contracts is to possibly make illiquid assets liquid, like time. Uh, so you could actually encode the amount of time that somebody spends on a task and once they reach an, a level, then a transaction is kicked off on the blockchain. So. It, it allows an automation of a number of these factors. But but in terms of the contract thing, um, so what you're saying there is we, we would make a, a normal contract, could be employment contract, could be anything like that, um, and, and that can, that, that can um, uh, exist on this system in, in a much easier way because, in essence, I don't have somebody sitting in the middle. You know, mm -hmm. you can do it yeah. between you. That's, that's, so it takes that layer out, so to speak. But what you're saying is then that the bounds of that contract aren't just limited to financial things. They could be once you've reached this stage here, then this kicks in. And Correct. once you've done that, that kicks in. Yes. And, and actually what it does is it makes those contracts much wider and more flexible and more interesting, actually. Yes. And, and, and more creative. And, and much easier to report upon and audit uh, and also have an audit trail of where that transaction goes. So another example would be in the charity industry, um, uh, where um, you can actually see where the funds are being directed to. It's on a public ledger system, so therefore you could actually track exactly where your donation is going. Uh, so when you say you bought a goat... Yeah. You know, in the middle of Kenya somewhere, exactly. you can actually find out where it is and whether that actually has happened. Yeah, and you can see that the goat farmer has a digital wallet and has accepted that currency. Mm. And you probably find out what his name is as well. Mm. Oh, possibly, but GDPR? <laughs> I don't know. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah. so, 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 in essence, what we're saying uh, that is so exciting about blockchain at a very, very high level is that we're beginning to take out the middleman in a way that we never thought those type of middlemen would ever be taken away. Correct. Bank, lawyers, yes, government. Venture capital. Accountants. Yes, accountants. accountants even, even lawyers. Mm. Once there are decent enough smart contracts which have stood the test of time, and I'll, I'll repeat again, you know, this, this is unregulated at the moment, um, uh, and the lawyers have no idea of... of how to resolve a smart contract that may have been manipulated or or ha has been triggered for the wrong type of purposes. All the quality. Um, all the quality, yeah. But uh, uh, certainly in this space, there's a plenty of scope uh, that, that, that we are going to find. Uh, our assets are put on the blockchain. If you think about your house and your car, these are all... Why would you have a solicitor in the middle of that? Drives me nuts. Exactly. I mean, and surveyors and all, all, all that. I mean, and it takes forever. Selling a house is just awful. Yeah. Dreadful. And so if you can authenticate that house on the blockchain, you can transfer it very, very quickly. So if we, if we take that as an example, um, so I'm going to sell my house. Um, it's been sold before. I've had, a, you know, especially in the UK, say my house is 100 years old. Everybody, you know, there's a, there's, there's a whole you know history of that that particular property a whole history of the contracts for that property a whole history of the 
leases the ground it takes up you know not a, mm-hmm. and yet every time we have a tra- we go through that again and i have to pay for it um, so so all of that history and stuff would actually start to you know start to cut out the middleman because the contracts would, would you'd own the contracts yes and you'd develop the contracts without that that person in the middle exactly once you're over some of those hurdles yeah. and that gets added to the smart contract that kind of more authenticates your your property mm-hmm. um but i mean it, it can be used um in uh, environmental crises so there was uh, the tsunami um uh, that happened um was it around japan um there's been a few uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forget yeah, how. The most uh, recent, really horrible one. Yeah. When the tsunami uh, wiped out everybody's residence um, and all the records of those uh, uh, places of residence, um, when the, the charity um, uh, businesses came in and asked who owned the property that was in this space, five, prove five people would put their hand up. Yeah, sure. You know, how can you authenticate that you actually yeah. own that piece of land? Mm. So we're going to move on from this in a minute. Paul, final word, blockchain is something that, that is really worth uh, you know, tracking and looking at because that's going to have a massive, profound disruption in Absolutely. the future. It's got massive opportunities to really um, disrupt a load of industries. But also when you think about anything to do with trust or provenance, things like copyright, you could absolutely just see the future of the web completely change with things like blockchain if it starts to get the mass adoption that a lot of people are predicting. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, from, from your world, you know, in sort of recruitment and, and you've got loads of contracts going on all the time, you, you could see that those actually, in a way, once we understand it a bit better, be, be becoming more efficient, actually. I think it's very much understated for all recruitment companies. Uh, so I think it's, it's extremely exciting, very efficient, and, and something where... It's got to be um, something you've got improve. to understand and learn about because it is going to affect us, isn't it? I think, Four yeah, or five years down the line. A massive part of it is education. Yeah. And um, uh, still, even sitting here with Anthony and... Uh, Paul and trying to get my head around it and I'm still floating around so I think it does take a couple of times to hear about it before you truly get it. But I do think what's important is it it is like driving a car. I don't actually have to know how the car works. I just need to know what it can do. You know, you don't have have to understand the technology. You have to understand what it can do, what it can't do, what the bounds are. You know, know, how you can use it Um, and, you know, some of the downsides, some of the benefits. I don't think you need to have necessarily understand it inside out as long as long as you you know you sort of get what you can do for you yeah absolutely i love the way that it was described as being a platform i got it when you were talking mm. about it in those in those words mm. okay great very good now then sebastian um let's um hopefully my brain now i can i can move on a bit now we came across you on the tech talk 22 where we were scouring the uk to look at uh tech that we were very excited about uh, we had a little judging panel um, and it wasn't things that people entered it's 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 companies that we'd come across on this show and, and in other things and that, that, that we were excited now i loved uh, what uh, consequential robotics was doing because we were particularly interested in the pro it was sort of programmable dog-like robot that you had and i really loved the fact that it was being used for therapeutic purposes do you want to explain exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> Yeah, the present um, near-horizon technologies um, make <clears throat> any humanoid robot um, rather disappointing. It, you know, it can't do the sorts of things we expect from mm-hmm. other people. But our expectations from a puppy or a kitten or a little rabbit or something like that are quite limited. Um, and what we can do with robots is 
replicate that sort of behavior and exceed it because robots are, you know, they can communicate through the ether using Wi-Fi and stuff. So they're, they're psychic, as it were. Um, and uh, we can use robots for transmitting information. We can design robots so that they are emotionally engaging, that, you know, people form affections and love uh, for for them. Uh, and, of course, people talk to their animals all the time. Yeah, they feel quite comfortable doing that, whereas yeah. they might not talk to a person or they might, you know, whatever. Um, and, I, and I think the therapeutic thing for me was really interesting because I saw these lovely videos where you'd, you'd have one of these robotic dogs, you know, maybe in an old people's home or something like that, and it transformed some of some of the, you know, the residents that were there. Yeah, I mean, we were focusing also, I mean, it worked very well um, in uh, cognitive therapy with uh, people who've who've got um, uh, autism or with um, Alzheimer's and things like that. But uh, I think what we're focusing on is a bigger picture where the Miro robot will be part of what we call the carefree home system, which will uh, help people live independently in later life. And so um, a big reason why this is a problem is... um, uh, fear and peace of mind for you know my mother is 86 and I'm always concerned I speak to eight o'clock every morning but what's happening in the other 24 yeah, hours yeah. and things like that and what's say, happening in between care visits yeah and as you say people bizarrely uh they're quite happy to chat to a dog or a, a, yeah. a cat even though they don't answer back but but you know and I've got a little bit of affection for my Alexa yeah. I have to say, which I know is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, no, don't look at me like that, Sarah. But because I just, I just try and wind her up and ask her questions, which I know she can't answer, and you know, and and and, and ridiculously, there is a tiny bit of a relationship there because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, taking the Mickey out of her all the time. But if you can imagine if that's a dog <laughs> that's running around, you know, as a robot, you, you know, that for some people that would be a real plus uh, to their day, wouldn't it? If they perhaps haven't seen anybody all week, for example. I mean, they are meant to provide a sort of synthetic companionship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people give their cars names, and um, but we don't expect them to talk back to us. And so what we've got is a Miro, although perfectly capable of conversation, actually is limited to making noises, except in a situation where it says, would you like me to call for help? Or right. are you OK? And then it is able to summon help if there is no response or mm. it can notice uh, what your um, facial expression is. It re- can recognise people um, and notice if you're looking particularly sad or if you appear to be having a stroke or if you're lying on the floor or you haven't moved for a while. And it can elicit response. And if it doesn't get one, um, it you can contact somebody. contact people. Yeah, um, that's incredible, isn't it? Don't you think, Sarah? I, I, I know you're laughing at me, my Alexa, but 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 it, it's really important that somebody's there and and actually can recognise if you've got a problem because that is, you know, you can have all these panic buttons and all that, but if you if you if you're having a stroke or you've fallen over, you can't reach them, so they're no good. Yeah. So 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 for 
but the perception of it being um, altruistic, um, I love. I absolutely mm. love it. Um, and the fact that um, particularly with the older generation and uh, looking at loneliness, addressing those types yeah. of problems, I think it's massive. Isolation. Um, yeah. yeah. There's another part of me when you're talking then about um, noting to see if somebody's facial... Um, uh, movements are out of sort. There's a, another piece for me that's a bit more Big Brotherish, um, which freaks me out slightly. Um, but you know, saying that, I suppose that's the world we live in. But at some point, you've got to think: Well, um, am I becoming too desensitised to that? And what are the <laughs> what are the consequences yeah. of, of Paul? That? But you um, you've got a really interesting um, argument there to figure out. Uh, the, the the end question is: Who do I trust with my data? Right. Right? Yeah. at all times exactly. and that sort of thing. Mm. So if you've got a very fluffy dog that's owned by Amazon, it's a very different beast to saying I've got a very uh, fluffy uh, photo frame that can read my um, emotional responses and that sort mm. of thing owned by Amazon, right? There's a different, there's an inference and one is that you've basically um, hidden the same technology in the same thing, right? So your argument then becomes a little bit different to be like, what is the end goal, okay? Yes, it's great that we've got a dog that could potentially read our faces if we're having a stroke, but your argument is, is that the right tool? Is it not just... Um something that you should be doing every morning at a mirror or something like that. Yeah, that's this, my, this I, for me I, is about companionship. Though. That's exactly And the reason why I was really interested in what, what Sebastian and, and his team are doing is that we, we always have talked about robotics on this programme in terms of business and in terms mm. of manufacturing, often, mm. or, 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 you know, or, or helping us with a process. I was really interested in what, what they're doing there because, because you're, you're trying to develop it for therapeutic reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's all about emotional engagement. Mm. Yeah. And... Um, it's, you know, the end goal is to enhance the experience of later life. Hmm. And, um, and, you know, it's not a substitute for human contact. Of course. It's very, very important. But it is to, you know, give people more peace of mind hmm. and a, a sense of security. I mean, the number one reason why people go into a care home is fear of falling. Yeah. And if you can... It's not actually that they're going to fall. They're going to fall. There's going to be no one there to help. Yeah, yeah. Um, Can I also talk to you about some of the the other things that you're involved in? Now, I know you're a trustee for the Conran Foundation, Mm -hmm. and you have been for... Since it started, since it started. Nineteen eighty-one. What's the what's the aims of the Conran Foundation? Um, It's interesting because when it started, the aims were to uh, increase the understanding of design in the manufactured product. Um, but now we've got a, and we've been supporting the Design Museum, uh, which started as a little gallery in the v called the Boiler House, and then moved to uh, Butler's Wharf, Tower Bridge, uh, the Design Museum. And year before last, it, it, we've just celebrated our one millionth visitor. Wow. And we've moved to Holland Park in West, uh, West London. And... Um, the our scope has increased as we've got more and more space and so the what we're trying to do is educate people because design is essential for for transforming i mean you know technology is digital but human beings are analog and Mm. how can we you know transform science and technology into a 
satisfying user experience and it's, it's design really, is it, the tool to do that. It's a really important part of it, isn't yeah. it? I mean, we can have the most, you know, um, fantastic, let's say, electro- electric bikes mm. um, that, that do everything you want them to do, but actually they look horrible. They're and, not uh, aspirational. Exact, yeah. Exactly, and it's it's really important when we're going to engage people in, in into some of these things. that it's got, to, it's got to be easy to use, It's it's got to look great, um, and... and uh, it's just like uh, re- recently just trying to do something and it's not intuitive so it's not intuitive I, I'm, I'm not going to read a I'm not going to read a manual I just, I just don't you know too much to do and, and that's all about design isn't it because making something intuitive is quite hard yeah it's what we call usability it's yeah. easy and straightforward to use and if I really understand the manufacturing um, process we call form follows fabrication uh, I can design something so it's straightforward to make I can design costs out and design reliability in. Mm. and we also focus a lot on the functional behavior of, of, of objects and you know designing things that will be useful that will last that can be upgraded mm. and don't become redundant over time um and, and sarah uh, this isn't an area for me where more women should go in into because Absolutely. they don't understand that that's just as much to do with tech as as, as coding or whatever the, the design element of it is really really important yeah, really. It, it's, it's the beginning, pro- it's the start process. So um, uh, being able to have an inclusive workforce um, uh, being dedicated to creating these incredible products not only will um, increase innovation, but also help with certain different um, efficiencies. It will be able to just provide um, new perspectives. Mm. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many, so many examples when you're looking at uh, design and uh, innovation and ensuring that you do have an inclusive work sh- workforce. I mean, the, um, the airbags, for example, in the cars, uh, it, it was found uh, in the early stages when uh, they were they were released that there were a lot of uh, deaths happening occurring, particularly for for women. And the reason behind that was that the airbags were actually created and designed by men for male bodies. Mm. So um, it, you know, it, it's 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 these kind of elements. All of that is really really important. Mm. And, and and then uh, Sebastian, so design is important to be inclusive, but that that could also be you know you're looking at therapeutic design. That could also be for people who, you know, aren't able-bodied and they might use things in a different way. Mm. And if you're a really good designer, you should, you should be factoring those in, shouldn't you? We have a company called Inclusivity, which is aiming to, to design products which, which uh, you know, anyone can use and they're transgenerational and they're non-stigmatising. So, you know, if you're designing a bathroom, you want it to be useful for everyone. And 25% of all falls... Um, uh, happen in bathrooms and um, how can we build safer bathrooms how can we make them more aspirational but 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 the trick of the designer is not only doing that but actually making it look amazing as well yeah (laughs) i saw an interesting fabric uh, which people were using as underlay um, in bathrooms that basically reacted for the amount of time that pressure was on it so they knew that pressure okay in this area but if you like um, fallen down and in this sort of shape and it was learning shapes of people's bodies when they were like you know this is what a typical stroke victim might say and that sort of stuff if they're starfishing it's probably like they're okay or you know (laughs) so it was a a really fascinating uh, come on drunk yeah Yeah. yeah. Starfishing on the bathroom floor yeah. is fine. Don't I mean, call an ambulance. You know, however you want to use it. But. <laughs> I mean, people don't want cameras in their bathrooms. No. 
but but it's having, quite... having a mirror in the bedroom's bad enough. <laughs> but that's when exactly... you're trying to get when you're trying to get ready, that's a, that's off putting. But also. these are the uh, things that we're trying to do. You've got Amazon's last four, five, six products have all had um, cameras in in various new new uh, rooms in the home, which mm-hmm. were never even thought of like five to ten years ago. People would never even entertain it, and now because of the mobile phone, which is kind of like reset of our expectations on privacy and things like that, those products are now possible. I find what you're doing really interesting, um, Sebastian, in the sense that you are moving it from um, just a transactional process into an emotional one, absolutely. which I think is absolutely bang on where robotics should be because there's so much that you can do. I think it's not just old people. I think it's everyone. I think mm-hmm. if you're, you know, you want something to um, emote with and that sort of stuff and a human's not nearby, yeah, do it. What I want from those robots is every single time pushing it in some way, shape or form, whether it's through um, coding or um, its form function to go like, go and find a human. How do we get human in here and, and that sort of stuff? That's why I, mm-hmm. I find a lot of systems, they go too far over the other side. But what I really like about yours is the fact that you've, you're building that in from day one. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and th- what other sorts of things have you got in development or, or what other things aspirationally you do really want to get your hands on? Well, we've designed a robotic wheelchair that's designed, it's called the Om- Omniseat. So it will take people straight from hospital, as it were, and you take me to the bathroom, take me to the um, uh, kitchen. It goes up and down. And importantly, it moves sideways. Because if you see the way you move around your home, a lot of the time you're moving sideways. And regular wheelchairs... <laughs> I never even thought about that. Regular <laughs> wheelchairs can't, can't do that. So uh, often, if people find themselves wheelchair-bound, someone has got to go to their home, they've got to lower the kitchen, yeah. put in ramps and do all this sort of thing. And... Um, Spend the money on an amazing wheelchair. That makes more well, sense. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a, a lot cheaper. And um, it can, well, you know, you can get something off a shelf or something like that. And if you're just interacting with someone socially, you're looking at them in the eye, yeah. mm. not in the hips, as it mm. were. And, and is there anything else that you're excited by? We've got a table called the Omni Table, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> and we're actually calling Mirror. Does that move Om- sideways as well? Omni <laughs> Mirror? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the table is an overbed table, and so um, you can use it in a hospital. And so, like with a wheelchair, you can summon it to you, you can tell it to go away, uh, or go and get you a meal, or um, if, if you've ever broken a leg and you find yourself in crutches, by bringing a cup of coffee from the yeah. kitchen into the living room. And, um, you know, older people are a bit shaky. And, you know, when I go and see my mum, I'm always carrying trays. <laughs> and to have something that does, have something that, does that is, um, this is a trajectory that we're going in. Non-humanoid robots is, I guess. It's, what it's yeah. all about mm. and it's such an important area and, and i know when we were judging we were, we were we were really pleased about it because it's an area that we just hadn't thought of and that's where technology is for good isn't it yeah no i love those things when they yeah. sort of come out of left field and that sort of because it yeah. can't just all be alexa right no. it's boring it's dull and no one really wants a hockey puck for a friend <laughs> but um the except ability for me obviously. <laughs> yeah, <except for> you. <laughs> no you want someone to beat up verbally <laughs> yeah i do but um it's quite interesting um how you've just got to change some tiny little things form function and then you start to get a very different type of experience. Mm. Well, um, the the work uh, that Sebastian and his team are doing is incredible. So if you want to learn more about it, you need to go on to consequentialrobotics.com. Is there anywhere else that our listeners should go to? Uh, You can see the wheelchair on inclusivity, spelt with an I at the end, dot com. 
And that's that's another good one. Okay. So so uh, definitely check those out. And it's it's where for me that's where technology really is you know coming into its own, and it's a, it's a force for good. Mm-hmm. And and let's face it, there's been a lot about digital and tech um, being a force for bad uh, in, in in the last few months. So so check that out. Um, and thank you very much, Anthony. I think I've got my head around the old um, cryptocurrency now. Got good, that. Thank good. you so much. And you're buying 10,000, I hear. Yes. Um, <laughs> possibly not. Um, uh, but uh, I think I need to understand blockchain a bit more. Mm. I think what I'm most excited about, about what it can do. I mean, mm. it literally is going to transform huge number of things yeah there's a lot of people trying to figure this one out indeed now if you want to find out a bit more about anthony or his uh, company which is uh, cube root 64 uh, they they concentrate on all sorts of stuff don't you and, and, and we do we uh, concentrate on education in this area uh, as well as resources so plugged into some of the larger networks uh, around this area uh, for uh, investment advice uh, and also developers. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. And if you, if you think it's something you should be going into, um, don't go with your eyes closed. Go and have a quick look at Cube Root 64. Yes, it's as easy as 2 plus 2. Yeah. Which, um, what can you say? So, cuberoot64.com. Have I got that right? You you do. Um, the company can also be found at Cube Root 64, and I can personally be found at Ant G Parker. Yeah, if you want to know about blockchain, give him a quick email um so thank you very much to my fellow presenters uh paul armstrong thank you uh, very much author of disruptive technologies you should know all about blockchain and sarah Luxford, a tech learner advocates who like me probably learned quite a lot today although my brain is hurting a little yeah absolutely fascinating thank you thank you Mm. so you've been listening to the tech talk show and as you know we're syndicated to dozens of radio stations you can download us on uh, podbean and itunes and you can do it on your podcast app on your phone or you can go of course to our website where we've got a couple of hundred of these uh these now um all sorts of topics around tech or you can get in touch with us via twitter on at tech talk show uk um, and we'll make sure we do links uh, both to Sebastian and uh, Anthony, if we can find out more about them. And, uh, well, we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. <laughs>